everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. This is your host, April Hanna. Very excited about our show today. We are going to be speaking to the Hay House authors, Mary and Ron Holnick, of Remembering the Light Within. So I'd like to tell you a little bit about our guests. Doctors Ron and Mary Holnick are pioneers and worldwide leaders in the field of spiritual psychology, as well as teachers and facilitators of awakening and consciousness. They are renowned educators, authors, and the founding faculty and co-directors of the University of Santa Monica, where they have designed, developed, and facilitated educational programs for the past 35 years. Both are licensed marriage and family therapists, and Mary is also a licensed clinical psychologist. They are the authors of Loyalty to Your Soul, The Heart of Spiritual Psychology, published by Hay House and available in 12 countries and eight languages. Their latest book that we're going to be discussing today, again, is called Remembering the Light Within, A Course in Soul-Centered Living. And this was published just this year in 2017. So welcome, Ron and Mary. Well, thank you. Thank you, April. We're happy to be with you. Yes, we're happy that you're joining us and that you're guests on our show. Um, one of the things that I'd like to do for our listeners before we kind of get into the book is I would like you to just give us a little bit of your background history. And um, I'd love to know how you guys got together as a team and being married for over, th- um, I, think it, I think I read in the book, 35 years as well. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, We met in the fall of 1974 in Las Cruces, New Mexico, where I had just joined the faculty of the university there. And uh, one evening, Ron came to my classroom door. He introduced himself to me just before the class was going to begin, saying he was going to be a doctoral student and that he was planning to start the doctoral work the next quarter. And some part of me recognized him, and I became rather flustered. (laughs) I said to him, well, why would you want to do that? And he just kind of looked at me and said, and he kind of repeated his information. By then, I regained my composure, and I said, well, have a seat in the back of the room. And uh, so he entered the doctoral program the, the next quarter, and He was uh, enrolled in a doctoral seminar that I was teaching, which had about 12 students. And so that began uh, our getting to know each other. We found that we had a lot of similar kinds of perspectives on life, on psychology, on healing, and, and so forth. And gradually, over time, he was hired as, after he completed his degree, as an assistant professor, and they put his office right next door to mine. Wow, what a, what a coincidence. <laughs> and, and so then we began our uh, collaboration, and I think the rest is history. That's a, that, that's a good account of it. Uh, yeah. For myself, I kind of just came up the academic way, but I was always interested in things like ESP and UFOs and um, all that kind of thing. And then I, because I was interested in that, I became aware of a woman in New Mexico. We were living, I was living in New York at the time, uh, who was, she was described to me as a trans channel. Well, gosh, that, wow, how exciting, a trans channel. <laughs> and so I went, I made an appointment, I went to see her because I was going to be in New Mexico. And 
lo and behold, uh, this woman was like no one I had ever met before. I mean, if no other reason, she knew far too much about me that nobody knew just from looking at me and spending a little bit of time. And so I decided to uh, spend more time there and didn't take very long before I left, uh, I left the East Coast and I found myself becoming a student of hers and that went on for five years. And that really, that time really is what opened me up to the whole spiritual dimension and uh, made it very clear there was such a thing, first of all, and that one could gain access to it and that there were very many benefits of gaining access to it, not the least of which is letting go of all the things that disturb your peace and beginning to live a more peaceful life, which has gone on to this day. Yeah, I find that most people who are on this path or even before they get on this spiritual path, they have some sort of significant event like you just explained that um, makes them just have a knowing and an experience that there's something much more going exactly. on here. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, I'd like you to explain for our listeners, what is spiritual psychology? Well, spiritual psychology is really the art and practice of conscious awakening. And that term conscious awakening is really very important. For us, it means waking up into the awareness of your essential nature, that you are, in fact, a divine being having a human experience, that your essential nature is loving, wise, compassionate, creative, and that the ego is the mind and the personality which we all come equipped with, but it is not our true nature. And awakening is really discovering that there's something much more uh, and something that is really, in a way we could speak of it as true gold that exists in each one of us. It's a, it's a good thing to realize that the word psychology itself, I mean, if you look up psychology in a dictionary, you're going to find something like the science or the study of mind and behavior. But if you look up the word psyche, you're going to find that what it means is breath of life, soul. So you would think that psychology would then take that and that would be the, the core of it, but it isn't. And so in a way, psychology got hijacked uh, into a physical science kind of an orientation. So when we are, by calling this spiritual psychology, our intention is to really bring it back to, as my, as my first teacher used to say, the reason that psychology was inspired upon the planet in the first place is because humanity had forgotten why it was here. Hmm. And psychology is the attempt to bring it back again. And spiritual psychology clarifies that. That's our intention. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Um, and that kind of leads into a couple of other questions that's going to bring us into the book. Um, now, I know that with Remembering the Light Within, in, in this book that you guys have written, it's really more about going internally than being focused externally and really connecting with the love that you are. And as you said, um, that we might have forgotten that. 
Um, I too am a therapist and I have a private practice and, you know, two things that I see the most, maybe about 75% of people that are coming in to see me usually have two things that they say to me, you know, maybe the other 25% are coming because of grief or divorce or, you know, some, some work related stress. But for the most part, you know, what I hear people say a lot is, I don't know what my purpose is. You know, who, who am I? And there is such tremendous low self-esteem that so many people will say, I'm here because I want to learn how to love myself more. And, you know, so this book was, I just think wonderful. And I love the activities and the intentions that you have in here to kind of work with people to kind of get them back to remember that. So I'm kind of saying a lot here, but one of the things that I really wanted to ask you guys is why is it that you think we come here as consciousness, um, you know, onto the earth, forgetting this, and then it feels like we're working our way back to remembering it and striving for it and craving for it through this experience. Like, why do we forget? (laughs) Well, in order to really answer that question, we have to make a couple of statements that for many people are are assumptions and they're not sure that they're true or not. But the first one is that there is a spiritual reality that is inhabited by uh, souls or spiritual beings. And when you're in a spiritual existence, you are, you are limited, uh, I don't know how to say this, you, you can't have the kinds of experiences that you can have if you come into a reality that has physicality to it. So we, we basically, so you can't go into heaven if you live there already. So we, we come here, and this is, this is our understanding, we come here because we are seeking to have experiences. But over time, we, in the coming here, we've lost track of why we came. And so then we do things and engage in behaviors that, that uh, set up energy patterns that we can't take back into spirit. And so we're, we have to keep coming back to clear those. And this is what the whole uh, field of psychology was really set up for in the first place. So you could you could think of it as you can't go into, uh, let's say, the fifth grade until you've mastered the first, second, third, and fourth grades. So the I, the notion that we're here to love ourselves more is really not true. What we're really here to do is to is to experientially discover the loving essence that is who we've been all along but have fallen asleep to that fact. So this process of the what we're learning, the curriculum in the Eastern tradition is referred to as karma. We refer to it as spiritual curriculum. It's not a bad thing, although it has a bad rap. It's like simply saying, I haven't mastered this yet. I think I need to go back and take that course again because I haven't quite got it. And so that's a rough kind of a picture of what we're doing here. And, and this, of course, is a process that goes on over uh, millions of years. So that's, that's our understanding of it. Uh, none of that, the only, the only benefit to really knowing that is 
that it gives you a sense that there's more going on here than just the apparent craziness that you know that we're that we all seem to be participating in. The the object always is for me to let go of the things that I judge here and I make wrong. Uh, just like if if you were in in light, you don't judge the darkness. It's just part of the day. You can't have one without the other. So that's I guess that's the short answer. And what what I would add to that, April, is that that uh, we find that people who are attracted to spiritual psychology and the deeper work, many of them have had some kind of spiritual or mystical experience. And so they have a sense that there is something more. And they recognize that there is some meaning and purpose to their lives, but they want to experience what that purpose and meaning is. And as you say, they don't they don't know consciously. No. And one of the things that we work with students in our program on is the question of life purpose. Who am I? Why am I here? How can I make a more meaningful contribution? And we speak with them about the notion of entelechy. If the entelechy of an acorn is to become a majestic oak tree, what is the entelechy of each person? What are the gifts that they came to share? And what are the issues that they came to heal? And um, I think when people have an experience of their heart really opening, that they begin to feel the fact that there is meaning, there is purpose, I can live um, a more fulfilling life. And, you know, um, the very first uh, night of our first class in the um, in the Soul-Centered Living program, which is a program that goes on over a 10-month period, one weekend a month, we ask people, how many people have had some kind of uh, what we might call a spiritual experience where you you were in another you went into another uh, reality or that you were outside of your body and you knew it and you know typically about 90% of the hands in the class go up and so this this kind of a, of a work that we do tends to attract those kinds of people there are people who are ready because they've had some experience that indicates to them there's got to be more going on here than what meets the eye, and they're accurate. Yes, and would you also find that even though people may, you know, come to you and say, I, I just don't know what my purpose is, that, you know, once you can kind of deliver the correct questions and get them to think a little more deeper and get in touch with their hearts, that they really do intuitively know. Yes. Yes, yes. And very often their early childhood experiences even point to it. And to us, there are two kinds of purpose. The first we all have in common, and that is to awaken into the awareness of our essential nature, to wake up to the love that we truly are. And the second is really discovering your own unique gifts, your own unique calling, and to 
stand up more fully in that love that you are, and then to turn and be of service to other people from that place. So service really, from our point of view, is one of the paths that assist people in experiencing a sense of meaning and purpose. And very often people think of things like, oh, I, my purpose is to be a doctor or my purpose is to be a musician. And for a lot of people, that's very accurate. They they came in with that kind of, a, of an impetus inside. But for most people, it turns out that they begin to find their purpose the more they awaken into their loving. And what could be a higher purpose than to just simply walk around in your daily life and everywhere you go, you just radiate love into that place that you're going? Uh, to me, that's one of the highest callings of all. And many, many people don't even consider that because they think that purpose has to have uh, some kind of reference in physical world reality that is like a something, a surgeon, a musician, a poet, uh, etc. And we always assist people in going uh, more deeply. And you may find that those are those are part of your purpose. But everyone's purpose, as Mary says, is to awaken more fully into the essence of who we truly are. And as you're probably aware, given what you do, we're living in a very, very exciting uh, time in the course of human evolution that has been prophesized for thousands of years where there's a huge shift in consciousness is going on. And a lot of people are very uncomfortable and they are really un, uh, they're really uh, angry and they're really unhappy and they're really they don't like the uh, the tumultuousness of things. And we try to point out to them, don't judge it. Don't judge it. Because for all you know, everything of a negative nature is being is being brought up to the surface so that it can be cleared so that humanity at large can take its next step forward which is a step into awakening and so we simply find that as long as we keep a positive focus on it all we will find our way people will find their way to you they will find their way to us and uh, it's really not a bad time to be alive at all if, once you have an orientation that allows for that. Yes, I, I would definitely agree. Um, now, you know, walking, the example that you gave about kind of walking around and kind of feeling that love and exuding that love, um, you know, kind of everywhere you go in a day-to-day -day practice might be a really big leap for some people that, you know, might be listening. And, you know, part of your book, which is great, you give the reader so many different processes to begin to work within that. So um, I don't know where you'd like to start in the book. Uh, one of the uh, practices that I really liked was the heart-centered listening within yourself yes. and uh, the K-Love radio station and the K-Ego radio yes. station. That might be a good place. But how do we break it down a little bit um, simpler for our listeners who might be just in the very first stage and step of this and that concept of just being love and and feeling it and, and having that, you know, everywhere you go and feeling one with everyone just seems too big of a big of a reach. 
Well, let's turn into K Love and find out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we are. Well, you know, so much of this occurs in the beginning through intention, the intention to experience my essential nature, the intention to experience love. And we, um, we work with two very basic skills. You mentioned one of them, heart-centered listening. The other we call seeing the loving essence. And essentially what they come down to, heart-centered listening is learning to listen with the ears of your heart, to listen beyond the mind, to listen beyond the content, to really come into loving resonance with another person and to listen to them deeply, heart to heart and soul to soul. And similarly, seeing the loving essence is learning to look with soul-centered eyes, to consider this is a divine being sitting here before me, uh, or if it's one of your children outside in the garden playing. And if I simply attune to them, from the my already open heart, I see them with the eyes of my heart, I listen with the ears of my heart. Really, that simple practice is life-changing. In fact, um, while what you say is accurate, uh, people probably aren't going to turn off after listening to this broadcast and go out and share their love in the world every minute of every day. But what they can do and I really, I really uh, challenge people to do this. Just take one day, one day, let's say tomorrow, uh, and go out and your, your object that day is to see the loving essence in everybody, regardless of what they're doing and how they're behaving themselves. And no matter who you speak to, just listen to them. Don't try to convince them of anything. Just listen to them. And I would suspect if someone would really do that for just one day, they would have a profound experience. Another very simple practice that uh, can be a game changer is making the decision inside. Today, my spiritual practice is speaking kind words. So Excellent. when I go to the office, I'm going to do my best in my interactions with everyone that I speak with that day to relate with them in a caring way, perhaps to acknowledge or prize them in some way, um, but to be a beneficial presence. I mean, these kinds of things are very simple, April, but yet they are profound. And the ripple effect in people's lives from them can be really quite, quite beautiful and extraordinary. Another thing that they can practice that's in the book, which I'm sure you use considerably in your, in your private practice, is what we refer to as perception checking. Most of the time in conversations, we are so intent, our purpose is to get the other person to know what we're trying to tell them. Well, what if you turned it around for a day to see what would happen and make your task doing your best to simply understand what someone else is trying to say to you. So your question becomes one of, could you say a little bit more about that? I'm not, 
I'm not really quite sure uh, I've gotten the essence or if I hear you accurately, I think what you're trying to tell me is this. Have I got it? That kind of stuff. Boy, does that build relationship. Yeah. And in that example that you just gave, that would be changing the dial from the from the K ego to K love where you're exactly. kind of you're stepping yeah. outside of yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And exactly. and K-Ego really is in the duality of good, bad, right, wrong. It, it's like when we attune to K-Ego, the voice tends to be critical. It tends to be judgmental. It, it tends to look for what's missing. It's out of right doing and wrong doing. We're in human form here. Every single day, we are provided with amazing opportunities um, to learn to love and to be the presence of love. And this is why our classes are highly, highly, highly experiential, because you put a couple of hundred people in the room and the and you put them into a, a three person experiential process that we call trios, which we do a lot of. And the task of the trio is very specifically laid out where your job in any in a particular role is not to get your point across, but to understand the person who's giving you their perspective. And then you have large group sharing where everybody is talking about what, how great that was and how freeing it was. And then those people come together and they build a community together and they start uh, having those kind of mutual experiences and you begin to understand why US, USM has been in existence for over 35 years. Yeah, and I can imagine, you know, it, it just part of that, too, is just feeling so heard. You know, if you have yep. people yeah. around you that are able to do that and they're really looking at your best interests and trying to understand where it is that you're coming from, it takes the defensiveness and the content right out of it. Exactly. It, it does. And it creates a very safe and sacred space where people are able to bring up some of the deeper things. You as a therapist uh, are very familiar with creating that kind of acceptance and deep listening, a sacred space where people can really bring <clears throat> forward some of the things that, that they have experienced that have been extremely painful, hurtful, disappointing, challenging for them such that people are able to let go of the judgments that they placed against themselves, against other people that were involved, against the situation itself, and, and really, truly come to resolution with those memories, those experiences, such that they can live more from the place of the wholeness, of the holiness, uh, and the beauty of who they are. Yeah, and I would say it's this type of communication that is really vital in relationships and marriages if it's if oh there's going to be success. Well, that's what we have found in our, what is it, 37, 38, 38 years now? 38 years, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. These skills, uh, and I think the point you're making here is that these skills not only foster spiritual awakening, but they are extremely useful skills interpersonally. Yes, I would agree. So in a way, you get a twofer. 
(laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, The other chapter I'd like to dive into a little bit is chapter nine, Acceptance, A Gateway to Freedom. Ah, yes. Um, That's just such a nice title. And as soon as I read it, I kind of felt like, ah, where's the gateway to freedom? I can't wait to read this. (laughs) Um, So I was wondering if you can talk about the five types of acceptance and a little bit of that process and how it is the gateway to freedom. Well, acceptance is the first law of spirit. Um, When I learned that many years ago, I said, wow, that is really quite profound. And we have identified five types of acceptance. What acceptance really means, uh, and this is so important, it means that I'm in a place inside myself where I'm truly okay with what is. It doesn't mean I agree with it, and acceptance is certainly not resignation, but it's the acknowledgement this is what is. And you don't even have to like it. <laughs> and uh, and then that, that gives a point of entrance into the five types. The first one is accepting what is uh, so that we can learn to observe what is neutrally without judgment, without emotional charge, without making it right or wrong. One of the best examples of acceptance that we're aware of uh, happened several years ago when the logging company was going to cut down this 30-acre grove of magnificent redwoods in Northern California. And there was a woman named Julia Butterfly Hill. She was an activist. And she said, well, what can I do? And what she decided to do is climb up into the trees and hang out there. Well, the logging companies thought, well, how long can she do this? Because it got a lot of press, as you can imagine. Well, she lived up there for four years, if you can believe that. She had a staff down on the ground who would send her up food and things like that. Four years. Finally, the press was so bad, the logging companies uh, gave in. And they said, look, we'll, we'll, we'll make that 30 acres a park. Please come down. So she came down. And as you might imagine, the press was there and they had uh, all these interviews. And and they said, where did you get the courage to go against the logging companies? And she said, what are you talking about? I didn't climb the trees because I'm against the logging companies. I climbed the trees because I love the trees. And it's a beautiful example of how somebody can take an action out of their loving and the action proves successful. And We see a lot of people being activists today, and they're coming from a place of anger. And they don't seem to realize that when they act out angrily, they're accomplishing exactly the opposite of what they want to accomplish, because they're adding to the sum total of the negativity on the planet, uh, not taking away from it, not adding more loving. It's a beautiful story. Yes, it really is. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, the thing that comes to mind when I hear that is when we think about what her intention was, the intention wasn't to stop the logging companies, but she was doing this with the intention of the love for the trees and how powerful that is and how powerful love can be when when it's used appropriately, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yes. That when when our choices and actions come out of love, it is an entirely different context uh, from when they come from against us and judge, judgment. 
The, the second kind of acceptance, April, is acceptance of self. And this is such a beautiful opportunity because acceptance of self means accepting my humanity, my ego, my personality, my limitations, uh, choices that I've made that in retrospect I may not be so happy with, while at, at the same time accepting my divinity, accepting the goodness and the giftedness of who I am. And both types, both those types of self-acceptance uh, really require some uh, uh, some work because as you were mentioning a little earlier, one of the greatest misidentifications that we hold is that somehow we are unworthy, <clears throat> that there's something inherently wrong with us. And so, and we look at our ego and our personality and some of our choices, some of the situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. It's very difficult to uh, recognize that those things are not punishment and not evidence that there's something wrong with us, but are rather learning devices. And another way of looking at that is that, and this is really hard for a lot of people to really accept that regardless of what they may think about it, they really are doing the very best that they know how to do, given their their conditioning uh, and if, if I look at myself in the mirror, what I should really be saying is, you know, keep up the good work. You are, you are, you are really doing a great job. <laughs> well, but I can't stay on that diet and I can't do this. That may be true. And that may be the circumstances you find yourself in. But did you ever get up any day in the morning and sit on the edge of the bed and say, all right, how am I going to mess up today? Nobody <laughs> Nobody does that. <laughs> no, no. So it's to have compassion for ourselves, yes. and compassion is very important. So that brings us to the third kind of acceptance, acceptance of others. And this, this is one of the greatest yeah. opportunities mm. on the planet because we are so conditioned to look through uh, the, the eyes of K-Ego that we... We look through the eyes of duality. It's so easy to be the critic, to be the judge, to be the arbiter of what's right and what's wrong and, and uh, judge other people and their behavior. But it, it can bring a great deal of peace to recognize that we would all do better if we knew better and that other people, just as ourselves, are doing the very best that they know how to do, given their conditioning, given their life experience, given the resources that they have access to inside themselves at this particular time. And one of the axioms of spiritual psychology is outer experience is a reflection of inner reality. So to, to get them to really be able to use this one has to start to realize that what you are seeing out there and judging and making wrong, that is really going on inside of you. And that's a real hard one for people because they go 
uh, not me, I'm not doing that. Well, yes, you are. You're doing it with respect to yourself. And every, every psychology student has studied uh, the whole notion of projections, and you start to get into that area. And that's why this work is, uh, you know, goes on over time. It's not something you read a book and you get it. The, the fourth type of acceptance is acceptance of the world as it is. Oh, boy. And I think in this day and age, that's a, that's a huge one because there are so many arenas of um, action going on in the planet that we may recognize as um, not really working that well, but our judging them doesn't really do anything to improve them. So this is where becoming part of uh, social activism can be a very positive thing if it's done from the place that Gandhi spoke of, uh, let me be the change I wish to see in the world. And the, the final type of acceptance that we've identified is acceptance of God, uh, acceptance of the divine, acceptance that there is uh, uh, something greater orchestrating what's going on here. You could just speak of it as the big love if you mm-hmm. wanted to, uh, but that there is spiritual purpose and intention to it all. And I think as people <clears throat> awaken, they very often have an experience of all of a sudden being in an elevated state of consciousness and recognizing the divine perfection of their lives and all that they've been through. And that could be a, a, a really challenging one for a lot of people because of the way that they were, uh, that they were conditioned when they were small, especially um, kinds of doctrines from religions and things of that nature. This is why at USM, uh, really conversations about religion never come up. Because it's very clear, we make it clear from the beginning, if you want to be a really, really, really excellent exponent of any religion, you would, I think you would agree that all of them teach that at the basis of all of them is loving. That is the most important thing. Treat people and yourself lovingly. So we simply say, okay, let's forget all the dressings. Let's not be concerned with that. Let's not concern about what we, uh, how we wear and uh, what we wear and how we eat and these foods. Let's, let's let all of that go and just focus in on the loving, because that seems to be the common denominator of them all. I would agree, Ron. Yes. Thank you. And thank you guys for going through um, just a nice diligence, those five acceptances, because to me, that alone is just such a spiritual practice that I believe really can awaken people just in itself. Yes. Yes. I think someone could make that the spiritual practice of a lifetime. Yes. And it would be profoundly <clears throat> transformational. And the the great thing about acceptance is that as we become more accepting, as we learn to look at ourselves, at others, the world with soul-centered eyes, we recognize that we have the freedom really to choose our attitude about what's going on. And and that uh, can lead to much greater experiences of peace, of joy, and aliveness. 
And when you realize that that's your choice, I think it really shifts you out of that victim energy. Absolutely. Yes. yes. And that perhaps is one of the, the most empowering things about uh, work in consciousness is that we begin to wake up to the realization that, that we're not victims, that we can take dominion within our own consciousness, that we don't have to be in a state of chronic I'm upset because I'm pointing our figure, finger at someone else, blaming them, or at some situation or circumstance that has occurred, and see that as the cause of our disturbance and of the challenges we're having. This is one of the key elements in spiritual psychology. Um, at USM, we simply don't permit people to do I am upset because. It By is. that I simply mean that we say, well, okay, you're saying that something going on inside of you is caused by what happened out there. And we work with uh, helping them see that the reality is what happened out there is simply a triggering mechanism to a disturbance that was already present inside of them. And that the big aha is that you can heal those disturbances regardless of whether the thing outside changes or not. In fact, the more you heal yourself uh, from that particular judgment, the more effective you're going to become should you want to continue participating in shifting that outside that you had thought disturbed your peace. It really hasn't. It's not that we don't permit them to be in their upset or disturbance, April. I want to make that really clear. It's more that we present them with an alternative that leads to authentic empowerment. That if I recognize that the disturbance is happening inside of me and that I can bring loving to the places inside that are in disturbance, that I can have compassion, that I can learn to forgive my judgments, tremendous healing can occur. And the things that used to trigger particular upsets no longer do because that button has really been dewired. That's what I was good. That's what I was meaning. <laughs> well, well, Ron, I just wanted to make it really clear, you know, that the environment is one of acceptance in support in terms of uh, learning how to take dominion in our own consciousness. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And um, as as our podcast here is coming to a close, I wanted to just jump into really quick, and it's actually going all the way to the back of the book, Appendix A, The 33 Principles of Spiritual Psychology. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like there could be 33 podcasts made out of this. <laughs> you're right. So, you're, you're right. You're right. I mean, I would love to talk about every single one. And for our listeners, it's really worth um, purchasing the book so you can take a look at these uh, 33 principles. And are these principles what you guys have developed as a part of USM? Because I've never yeah. seen these principles anywhere else before. So these are... These, um, are, these are inherent to our work. They uh, came forward... Um, as we began to do this work, and of course, we've refined them over the years, but these these are things that came through us. 
Yeah. Nice job. I love them. Um, Thank you. <laughs> the, the two that I wanted to just highlight that kind of stuck out for me. And I was like, Ooh, I want to sit, sit on this and think about this a little more. Uh, number 10, your primary goal is not to change the school. Your primary goal is to graduate. Yeah. Yes. That, that is a very powerful principle because it's the recognition Yes, it's great to get involved in life and to do good works. And there may be many things going on on the planet that provide opportunities for us to be of service and to better uh, the situation and circumstances for humanity. But our primary work on the planet is really the work of our own awakening, of waking up to the love that we are and healing the unresolved issues within our own consciousness. And by so doing, we are actually assisting all of humanity. Ron has a great quote that he brought forward, oh, probably 40 years ago, the, the one about one is... when one human being, oh, resides, oh. that one, do you want to say it, Ron? Every time one person resolves one issue, the whole of humanity moves forward. Mm, very nice. And so that our inner work really is benefiting humanity as well as ourselves. But that's just not the goal. See, the goal is to graduate, is to learn everything this school has to offer. When you graduate from this school, you are a loving person and uh, therefore, you're interestingly, you're kind of in that situation that you started with your first question, because there's no more need for you to be here. You've mastered this curriculum. Mm. And then the other one that I really liked, which we were just actually talking about before we got on to number 10, is number 25. How you relate to an issue is the issue, or how you relate with yourself while going through an issue is the issue. That's yeah. And, and, you know, we just kind of covered that a little bit in yes. depth about yeah. really. Yes. Yeah. You know, and. One of the greatest opportunities is to learn to love ourselves no matter what, to choose to relate with ourselves in a caring, kind, compassionate, supportive, and encouraging way, rather than a judgmental, critical, harsh, and punishing way. And so how we relate with ourselves while we go through our lives and the situations that are part of every human life is such a key. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been just a wonderful podcast and I wish we had a little more time to go more into some of the chapters, but I definitely highly recommend the book. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I was also wondering before we end, if there are people who would like to become a student of the university of Santa Monica, how do people go about um, doing that and working within your curriculum? Yes. Well, we have a website, universityofsantamonica.edu, that gives information uh, about our uh, foundational program, the 10-month program. But not this weekend, but next weekend, we're going to be offering our Loyalty to Your Soul workshop, which is Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday, which is a wonderful introduction to the work. If there's someone who's attracted to this, that would like to experience 
the foundational principles and practices in an experiential workshop that is very gentle and very supportive, but yet profoundly transformational. It, that is a lovely introduction to the work. It gives people a taste of it without having to commit to a 10-month program. Yes. Well, excellent. And for our listeners, we will go ahead and put those links in the show notes for you as well. And I would just really like to thank you both for the wonderful and loving work that you are doing in this world. Well, thank thank you, you, April. It's really just so <clears throat> lovely to be with you and have this conversation. Thank you, guys. So we hope to um, maybe speak to you again if there's another book in the near future. I, I feel like every time you finish a project, Mike and I, we usually get the question, so what's next? <laughs> what are you writing next? What yeah. film are you doing next? Um, yeah. You know, but we would love to have you guys back on the show. Um, and we just want to thank you again for a wonderful interview. Thank you, welcome. April. Thank you. Have a great day. You, you too. too. If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guyamtv.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at thepastseries.com or send us a tweet at thepastseries. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show.